I'm Ellen, and I've been watching a lot of bad movies on Netflix recently. You can give Bachelorettes and The Intervention a miss if you don't like movies with poor tone, unlikable characters, and yeah, just all around bad scripts. Hi, I'm Jaslyn. For some reason a while ago, when I was at a shop, I thought it would be a great idea to buy a gold cactus <laughs> that's sitting in a little plate as a decoration. It's a great idea, though. It's still a great idea. But why does it exist to begin with? <laughs> and this is... High Expectations! Um, this is, like, stuff I did in Japan, part two. Yeah, I said in the last episode I talked more about Tokyo. I talked a little bit about Harajuku, which is known for its, like, crazy styling. And I didn't actually answer your question. Yes... I did see a lot of people around <laughs> with brightly colored hair and brightly colored unusual clothing. Awesome. But I saw just lots of, you know, diverse fashions. When I was over there, I was like, every Japanese woman is beautiful and I'm not. <laughs> she was like, you are beautiful. And I'm like, I feel like a giant and not just because I felt tall people keep asking me do you feel tall and it's such a weird question to ask I didn't there's Japanese people who are really tall but I did feel very big and like that's just kind of the Asia experience like body types are a lot more petite and the continent that is Asia but like there's lots of different shapes and sizes but I just feel like I have bigger bones than like a lot of people in Japan you know what I mean yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, um, so you're in Tokyo. Yeah. You're like, you get outside the hotel first time, you're like, let's go explore Tokyo. What happens? Um, so the first day, I was so ready to go. I woke up at like five or six, and I just wandered off. And I think I went to a 7-Eleven, and I bought some things, and I got some money out. And then the guy was like, can you stand in line, please? <laughs> And then um, I felt really embarrassed because it was my first day. Yeah. And, like, just to save you the embarrassment, like, there's markings on the ground to show you where to line up. Of course there is. <laughs> it's just not something they have to New Zealand. I thought I was standing in front of a counter, which is what you do in New Zealand. Yeah. You just like... see a counter, you stand in front of it, someone serves you. Yeah, kind of Hopefully. mingle around. Yeah. Oh, what did I do? It's hard to remember the first day. So I got told off. I didn't get told off. And then I came to the counter. He's like, I'm really sorry. Like, this is just something to know when you're in Japan. Like, and then I like gave him like a 10,000 yen note, which is rather a lot. It's probably like giving somebody like about a hundred dollars, but that's what the machine gave me. So I didn't really have a choice. Right. (laughs) And um, I was like, is this too much? And he was like, yes, definitely. (laughs) I was getting schooled by this guy at 7-Eleven. And then he gave my coins back and I was so embarrassed that I tried to run away. But in Japan, you get, like, a little uh, tray where they put your money in, where you put your money in, and then they take it and they give your money back to you on the tray. Yeah, it's, not, it's nice. Everything's nice. And then he gives my notes back, and then he's about to give my coins back, of which, of course, I had a lot, as I established in part one. But I um, was so nervous I tried to run away, and he's like, wait! And also in Japan, we give you your notes first and then your coins after, so you must wait! <laughs> This guy schooled the shit out of me. Yeah, well, good on him. You think? It taught you out. <laughs> and then I, like, walked to the station. By the way, funny note about the station. I just looked on my map, which is an offline map by Allman. 
I think it's called. I always get them because I don't have Wi-Fi when I travel. Um, and I just chose what I thought was the nearest station to my accommodation. Turns out it was like a decent five minute walk longer than the actual nearest station. But because it became familiar to me and I could do the walk without looking at a map, I just went to the same station every time I needed to go somewhere. So I'd been, I was adding on like five minutes to every journey at least. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, customer service in Japan is like amazing. Okay. <laughs> So amazing. I think my favorite customer service is in Japan is an amazing story. I just walked into... At all the temples and shrines, they, like, have, of course, lots of facilities. One place I went to, Inada, there's just, like, a little hut that you could sit down in and make yourself a cup of tea. All free. It was so. just for you to relax. So cool. Anyway, I went into this place, and they, they, again, had a place where you could just relax, and they had, like, a little coffee machine there, and water and I said oh I just need to fill up my water bottle and my water bottle was so large that I couldn't fit it into the machine so she gets a cup and she makes it into a little jug and (laughs) repeatedly pours water into it for me it's so sweet I know and I just have so many stories like that of people just being so overly amazingly kind you know I felt so at home and that's why when people say to me like did you feel a culture shock or was it weird? It was like, no, I just felt comfortable and like looked after. And like a lot of the time I just felt safe because I felt like if I was lost or if I was distressed in any way, somebody just always helped me. That's pretty good. And maybe that's what it's like if you travel here. I don't know, but I'm just like, New Zealanders are just a bunch of bastards by comparison. No, I'm kidding. I get asked for directions so often by tourists. Yeah, that's true. Me too. We're very approachable. You went to that really busy intersection. Oh, yeah. That's, so that's what I did on my first day. <laughs> that's what we're trying to talk about my first day. That's in um, Shibuya? Shibuya? Yeah. Shibuya. <laughs> I think you were like, Shibin? What did you say? You were like, I got some of the Sheboygan work. or something. Sheboygan. <laughs> you were like, I got some of the uh, some of the letters right. And I was like, <laughs> you were like, it's close, though. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> So close. So close. It's like calling Wellington Wellingtini. <laughs> so that has that like um, really big famous crossing where everybody's crossing in different directions but never bumps into each other. That's pretty much what it was. I went on a weekday. I think I was there on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And I thought like, this ain't that bad. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people and it's like, oh, wow. But I'm not like inundated with crowds of people. Went back on a Saturday and that was fucking unreal. There were so many people. There were so many people. I feel like you couldn't see the road or the footpath. Wow. Yeah. Tourists get so excited about this crossing that they walk back and forth filming it. Which is like, guys, like the whole point of this crossing is that heaps of people can cross over it, but they never bump into each other. You're going to destroy that. <laughs> You're going to cause some chaos. Oh, another really funny thing about this part of town is it's not illegal to drive on go-karts on the road. <laughs> but why would you want to? I don't know. But some tourists, you know, and so obviously some businesses take advantage of this loophole and they get dressed up as like Mario Kart characters and they drive around on go-karts. Amazing. Yeah. Fuck, it's just so much fun. <laughs> Definitely my best holiday moments have been in Asia. I was trying to, like, tell my friend the other day, like, honestly, like, Europe is great, but Asia is so much more fun. 
And then she was like, but I want to go to Europe. And I'm like, there's just no helping you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just like the, the thrill of just being able to, yeah, if you want to, like drive in the streets on a go-kart. And I don't want to, but it was fun to see people doing it, at least. Mm, They're probably yeah. so annoying. They're probably annoying everyone so much in their cars. Like, fucking tourists. <laughs> that part of town is... Again, like, sorry if this is culturally insensitive, but I just would describe it as a sensory overload coming from somewhere that's, like, relatively quiet, hardly any people. It was, like, full of people, full of moving images, full of advertisements. And this is something I only encountered in Tokyo. Trucks would pass you, like, playing music really loudly, advertising boy and girl bands. There'd be, like, competing soundtracks from all the shops, competing, like, videos and ads and things on all of the buildings people coming at you like it's right next to a major station so people are flowing in and out all the time then there's these fucking trucks that go past and people on go-karts and it's just chaos but organized chaos i'll give them that wow (laughs) that was my experience of being there but i spent like a whole day there on my first day when i had heaps of energy just wandering around looking at different things that's the when I went to Tokyo, Tokyo Hands, which has free Wi-Fi. So you can take all the photos you want and then just send it to your friends. Nice. I also went into a Disney store, which had like a, an actual spiral staircase. Um, and it was a castle out front. Wow, that's yeah. pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cute. And Starbucks. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Starbucks when I went to Japan. I don't know. I don't know if the drinks were any better than anywhere else, but they were sweet and delicious. And there was free Wi-Fi. Like, I got a mango frappuccino smoothie or something there once, and mainly just my caramel frappuccinos, and I could charge out my phone, so Starbucks was one of my favorite thoughts when I was there. (laughs) (laughs) It's like McDonald's, my hash browns, you know, before I went traveling for the day, because I needed something to eat, and not like I could eat fucking anything at the cafe at my hostel, so it's fine, it's fine. Hostels. Let's talk about hostels. Oh, yeah? Okay. You stayed at a really cool-looking one. Oh, my God. You want me to talk about Book and Beard? All right. cool. I did... Aesthetically, 10 out of 10. In terms of a decent sleep, 2 out of 10. (laughs) So, it was in a part of Tokyo called... Forgive me, because I find this one really difficult. Ikebudu? I think that's the thing is said. Um, Which is just kind of like another busy part of Tokyo... I can't really describe it more than that. That's where the Milky Way Cafe was. And yeah, it had this huge station there and the station was full of like big pillars and like advertisements. I was like, what is happening here? Like there's so many people flowing in and out and you're blocking them off of all of these big pillars. It was weird. But at least like Mm. if you, sometimes it was so busy that I needed to stop to look at my phone to see where to go. So I would have to find like hiding places where other people wouldn't be. And so hiding behind big advertisements was a helpful place to pause and look to where to go because I wasn't going to collide with anyone. Sure. Like, that's how busy it was there. So this place is called Book and Bed, and the idea is that, yeah, you sleep amongst the books. Um, oh, that sounds so cool. It did look really cool. There's a lot of books hanging from the roof, and there's really comfortable chairs and, and things like that where you can just lounge. And I really liked that aspect. I actually had a nap the next day on these two couches, they were that comfy, and no one said anything, so that was legit. But the sleep was awful, because at the moment in Japan, it's incredibly hot. <laughs> it's moving into summer, it's very humid. The whole time I was there, it was at least in like the mid-20s to 
even getting up to like 28 degrees very hot and I was stuck in this like little bunk like that's one thing that's quite good the hostels in Japan seem to predominantly give you a lot of privacy you get your own little compartment whereas I think in like other places you just have an open air bed right um that was quite hot though um you make your own bed and you put your own sheets away all pretty standard Uh, there wasn't any kitchens which always bothers me a little bit I love a kitchen Mm. but the real problem was that I assume it was the staff or maybe it was other guests but they talked all through the night pretty much up until midnight and the worst part of it was like they emptied the bins really late at night and also the music was playing like yeah, they wouldn't turn it off until up until midnight. And I was like, wide awake. So I was like, is it always research, by the way? <laughs> I didn't. Because I was like, I'm going to be there for one night and I'm going to be knackered. So I'll just have a sleep. It'll mm. be fine. But it was just not conducive to sleep. And I looked up when I was there. So it's not like I could get a new accommodation. But there were so many people that said I um, got really annoyed by the music. So I asked the staff to turn it off and they told me no. <laughs> so I was like, well, I won't try that one then. <laughs> so yeah I got a terrible sleep and I got a terrible sleep on the plane and I was so chill throughout the whole trip there were times when I felt on the brink of tears I felt really frustrated there were times when I couldn't have a conversation in English with people and that's what you get you know it's fine Mm. and I like kept the tears back I kept the panic down my anxiety levels were like pretty low my stress levels were pretty low I did a good job and then I got back to Auckland airport and I was waiting in line to talk to a real human being because the machine wouldn't let me check in and I thought I was going to miss my flight. And I just burst into tears and I was panicked. I, I have anxiety, so I'm prone to panic attacks. Aww. So, yeah. <laughs> to get through three weeks of, like, high-stress traveling by yeah. myself without having a panic attack for me is, like, I deserve a fucking medal. And <laughs> applause for Alan. <laughs> Clap at home, please. <laughs> but, yeah. So, thanks, uh, Book and Bed. I got no sleep. And thanks, Auckland Airport. I got a lot of stress and I had a panic attack. But just for people out there that have anxiety and feel really embarrassed by their panic attacks, I get really embarrassed. Not that you need to be embarrassed, but when you're in the moment and you're crying and you're outwardly showing emotion, you do feel ashamed of yourself because of societal expectations of how we should behave in public. But that's not always possible when you have mental illness. Basically, I um, Mm. felt really embarrassed, but it got shit done. And like, not that I think that you should have a panic attack or you should cry, but all I'm saying is that when I did outwardly show my distress, people cared. So that is at least something good to be said of the whole experience. That's good. Yeah. So like, if you're scared of traveling alone, other people want to help you. Like people Mm. like to help other people. So don't be scared. Exactly. Anyway, do you have any more questions? Okay, so that's Shibuya. I've talked about Harajuku. Uh, also, um, the Yuyogi Park and the Meiji, I think that's it, Meiji Shrine uh, near Harajuku. I managed to walk to all of those places and the parks there were like really lovely. And there's a lot of greenery as well in Japan, which I really appreciate. Like it's not oh. just all concrete jungle. Uh, I think parks are really highly valued, which is something I love about mm. where I'm from. There's a lot of greenery around. Some places you, you visit and you're like, whoa, like there's no parks anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you went to some shrines? Yeah, Temple, I did. Shrines. Tem- Temples Temple, shrines. Temples and shrines. <laughs> um, What's that experience like? It's interesting. Every single one you go to is slightly different. Some are relatively free of tourists, but absolutely beautiful because they're just kind of not the main ones on the map. 
Others are incredibly crowded. I went to Kinkakuji again. Sorry if my pronunciation's wrong. In Kyoto, um, and it has a like really well-known gold-plated building there. Temple. I'm not religious. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's gold-plated yeah. and actually, yeah, actual gold. And so that place was packed. Like I went in with a swarm of umbrella-clad people. Everyone in Japan also has umbrellas. So if you go over there and wear a rain jacket, you'll be alone as a rain jacket wearer. Wow. And I was I insisted on not buying an umbrella because it's pointless where we live because it's yep. so windy. Mm-hmm. But everyone in Japan has an umbrella. It's just so interesting how like mm. cultural trends, right? And that you can use the umbrella when it's sunny as well because people don't want to damage their skin, right? Yeah. Very popular. Anyway, so everyone's holding an umbrella, which makes their radius even larger. Again, that was just one of those experiences where I just had to roll with it. I generally get a bit cranky if I'm, like, quite closed in and crowded. It's a reality of travel, I know. Like, I need to just get over it, but... Mm, I think it's natural. Yeah, some, yeah, some mm. experiences I feel aren't worth the crowds. This experience obviously was. It was beautiful. I got some really great photos. What you don't see outside the framing of my photo is the millions of people just milling around. <laughs> so that was one experience. But then I had another experience um, at a, I think it was a, a temple. And like no one else was there. Because Lonely Planet said, go to this place. It's one of the best places in Kyoto. And every other tourist just walked straight past it. Wow. And I went there and the... Mainly the gardens were just beautiful. You know, you have the sand that gets raked probably every morning and the beautiful trees and the ponds. And the pond was full of colourful carp. Cool. Yeah. And it was really peaceful. And, like, there were other tourists there, but they were very respectful and they were just sitting and just enjoying Mm. it and taking it all in. So, yeah, those are the completely different experiences I had at different sightseeing tourist spots in Kyoto, for example. You know, you just never know what you're going to get. Like like I was saying before about Tokyo. Oh, maybe I got the wrong one. Well, there's what, there's, I went to two shrines and I said the wrong one and I'm sorry. <laughs> but the first one I went to it was more of a traditional shrine where people were actually praying. And it was made of like beautiful old wood. And then the second one that I went to was mainly tourists. Like <laughs> everyone taking photos and posing, you know, with their peace signs and getting like a million different photos for their Instagram yeah so it's just like i don't know i guess travel's all an experience like you might have those moments where you see this beautiful thing and you're completely alone like um one place in kyoto uh the book said this is probably the best part of this temple complex but no one bothers to actually go all the way up there like thanks lonely planet for the hot tips though yeah so i went for a little walk maybe took me about five minutes up a hill and then i saw this um I think it's a it's a place of worship. It's a it's a place where people take a pilgrimage to because the waters there are meant to be sacred. So you wash your body there. Um, yeah, it was pretty interesting actually because I, I saw two other tourists walking walking away, but I was the only person there once they left, other than a man who I guess was bathing in the waters because he showed up and. I guess what I could only describe as a G-string. There were signs that said, like, do not wash in these waters naked. And I was, like, a little bit bashful. But I think I think in Japan, because there's, like, a lot of... There's a big community around bathing, bathing houses. And, you know, it's just a, a, a part of everyday life in Japan. And you mm. do go completely naked. So I just don't think nudity is, you know, con- considered so... Um, I don't know. How would you describe it? Like, 
shocking. I think, yes, you know, everyday life. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it would be quite normal to like go with your friends and just be nude together and have it be completely unsexualized, mm-hmm. which is something I think would be so cool if like that was more common in Western yeah. New Zealand society. Yeah. So I think that he wasn't embarrassed for me to see him basically yeah, doing a religious practice. Like it's not an embarrassing thing to mm. show your body, but because of the way that I've been raised in the society I live in, I saw him and I felt quite embarrassed. Yeah. But it was quite a cool moment. Like there's a beautiful waterfall. It was just like, I felt like I'd felt found a little hidden gem, you know? And those are things that I really like when I travel to find those places that maybe other people might overlook. Yeah, it's always a good feeling. Yeah. I didn't go... Oh, we're going to talk about cafes. Oh, yeah. Cafes. Okay. So I talked about the main cafes that I went to. You know, I went to, like, some more conventional cafes, but there's pretty much just everything you can imagine. Um, Cat cafes are very popular, obviously, you know, throughout the world. And people were like, oh, my God, the cat cafes in Japan. I didn't go to a cat cafe. I am allergic to cats. So I don't really want to spend money to have an allergic reaction. It's just a thing. Um, But I did see that they had hedgehog cafes and owl cafes. And I didn't think about it. But then I thought, like, oh, is it exploitative of the animals? Like, is it cruel to the animals? And when I looked into it, animal rights experts definitely said that, no, the hedgehogs wouldn't like being up during the day. And also, a lot of the cafes work as, like, adoption agencies, so which is great for cats, mm. but for hedgehogs, hedgehogs are wild animals. You can't have them as pets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's not something I came up with. Like, that's an, what an expert would say. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I really wanted to see the hedgehog cafes, but I just thought, I don't know if I can do it. Like, it would be, once I get in there and you pay quite a bit of money and you, you get to play with them for half an hour or even more if you want to pay more. But it's just like, what if I paid a bunch of money and I went in there and the hedgehog doesn't like me? Because it is a wild animal. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. like me. It would pretty much just be to say, I went to a hedgehog cafe and I don't need to do that. No. Okay. So Jaslyn really wants to work at the maid cafe. She's just busting to tell you guys. So tell our listeners what a maid cafe is. From my brief Googling and talking to Alan, a maid cafe is where you go to a cafe and you're basically given a exclusive or is a very attentive server <laughs> in a maid's outfit yeah i think yeah you could like you're assigned a waiter in a normal cafe you are assigned a maid and it's a young woman dressed up in a maid's costume <laughs> yeah <laughs> and looked interesting looked fun <laughs> so apparently I didn't go to one either. Again, you have to pay a surcharge. So, yeah. You just really... yeah You, you, you want to get into a cafe you actually want to go to if you're paying a surcharge. And yeah. I was like, I feel weird about it. Like, I just... I was like, like saying, Jason, like, is that exploitative to women? And Jason's like, no. It sounds like they're getting, like, an amazing deal. Like, they don't have to have sex with anyone. They don't have sex with anyone. They call you master in Japanese. Um, yeah, they do act as if they are your inferior and you are the yeah they're basically the servant and you are the master Mm. it's a little bit more unusual than that it's born from a cosplaying you know basically scenario and there's heaps of these cafes in a part of tokyo called akihabara which is like sort of a nerd mecca 
it's full of like game shops, cosplaying shops, manga shops. Right. But I say nerd mecca, but I think in Japan to be a nerd is like cool, pretty much. I don't know. Maybe not cool, but like just normalized. Like manga, everyone reads manga. Like it's just a thing. Whereas I think in New Zealand, like, oh, you're a weirdo, you read manga. And I saw a lot of the sort of people who I would just, you know, the sort of people I would just go with, or, you know, you, you know of who read manga are really interested in Japanese culture. Mm. When you go to Japan, you'll see a lot of tourists who are dressed up in cosplaying outfits, sort of, or um, just cuddling, like, their Kirby soft toys and things like that. <laughs> and so, you know, you're going to be calling this episode of Sessions Japan. I don't think I'm that kind of person. <laughs> I've been recently watching a lot of videos by a Canadian woman called Pixie Locks, and she is a self-described weeb. Uh, do, do you know what a weeb is? Like a weeaboo? Oh, I know the word. Yeah, it's an internet term that I think essentially means a white person who desires to be Japanese or oh. is enamored with Japanese culture. Not what I thought it was, no. <laughs> I, I had a new appreciation for that because when I was watching Pixie's videos, she just is so enthusiastic about uh, Japan and especially Tokyo. And she went to Harajuku and she went shopping and she just is obsessed pretty much. And I think a lot of people travel to Japan who have just been in love with it their whole lives, like the whole Japanese culture and pop culture especially. Mm. I definitely dabble in that. Like like I said, I do love Studio Ghibli movies. I mean, who doesn't except for Jaslyn? <laughs> but yeah, anyway, there's a lot of that side of Japan. And I think Akihabara is like one of the main places you might want to visit. And that's where all the maid cafes are. And they're all out on the street like, come to the maid cafe. And you can get cute desserts. And they pretend to be cats a lot of the time as well. And they do shows. Apparently little dances and stuff. And I just felt weird about it. Even Jessalyn was a bit like, just go. Please go. Please go for me. Please go. And I was like, I don't. I don't want to. (laughs) Finding things was so hard for me. I don't know if I just have like no sense of direction, but I spent a lot of my time in Japan wandering around like, how do I get to this place? And then finding a 7-Eleven, connecting to the internet, Googling it. Then Google didn't know what the hell I was talking about sometimes. Getting frustrated and deciding, you know what? I just want to go home now. <laughs> I think that was my other problem with Book and Beard. When I'm traveling, I'm happy if I have a place that feels comfortable and like a sanctuary. Hmm. Because when I'm home, you know, everyone has their comfort places. Um, like the place they feel most happy, mine's my house. And Jaslyn always jokes about it. Like Ellen would do anything to not have to leave her house. (laughs) And it's true. My house is my sanctuary. Like I love my family. I love being at home. I love my home comforts. And that doesn't mean that I can't travel. It just means when I travel, I need to feel safe and warm and comfortable in my accommodation. And everywhere that I stayed in Japan, I felt great. Until I got to book in bed because I didn't feel like I had enough privacy to be happy. That's just a thing. (laughs) Did you watch any Japanese TV? I didn't. I had Japanese Netflix. But like I was telling you, there was a lot of like cool looking anime. And all of the descriptions were in English. So I was like, I want to check this out. But then when I went to watch it, it was all in Japanese without any English subtitles. Like it was mocking me like... Ha ha, you don't know any Japanese. And I'm like, I know, and it's frustrating. You couldn't turn subtitles on at all? 
No, no subtitles at all. Mm. I think they were Japanese subtitles, but how oh, good would that right. have been for me? Not that good. No, I, I, I don't lo- speak any Japanese. I love Netflix with subtitles on now. I have it all the time. Oh, I did that. I feel like this is a life hack. I did that on the plane. Oh, yeah. Plane subtitles, wherever possible, use them. Yes. But some movies don't have subtitles. So annoying. And that makes me so mad. It's like, what if I was deaf? What if I wanted to watch uh, Captain America Civil War and I was deaf? This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Sort your shit, Air New Zealand. Yeah. Subtitles on planes are essential. And sometimes at home as well. It makes it so much easier. Yeah, yeah. Like, in the summer, it was so hot. You had to have your door open, but it's quite yeah. noisy outside your apartment. Mm-hmm. So subtitles, like, they were like, you yeah. jam. I like it. You get spellings of things. Anyway, Japan. <laughs> Back to Japan. Yeah, I was just going to say, though, when I was on the flight over, I think especially if you're on over the engine, maybe, oh, yeah, or, yeah. like, right near the wings, I find it, like, impossible to hear whatever I'm listening to. Thanks especially if it's, like, yeah, especially if it's an indie movie. So <laughs> subtitles were, like, amazing. Indie movies play quieter than, they do. than blockbuster films. Yeah. So, do you have any hot tips for people who are going to Japan, who have never been to Japan before? When you're on the plane, use subtitles. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, I any, think I any, covered some of them. Any essential uh, things I should take with them? Adapters. I think they're the same as the plugs they have in the States. Okay. But most of the... Just look it up. You'll be able to see it on Google Images. Most of the plugs have just two prongs rather than the third prong. Right. In New Zealand, we have a three-prong thing. Here's my question. Why do we have different plugs all over the world? I'm not exactly sure. I think it's something to do with some networks have different voltages. Yeah, in Japan, it's all a lower voltage, apparently. I don't know either, and I think it's dumb. (laughs) Like, I'm not trying to push for a universal language or anything, but just... One plug to rule them all. And I think it should be ours because I'm most used to it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, though? I think our plugs are quite pretty, so. Maybe I just think that because I'm so used to them. The other ones look well, alien. the American ones look like a shocked face. <laughs> our ones are like artworks. Speaking of artworks, did you go to any galleries? I did. I went to the Mori Art Museum, which is a pretty in Rapongi Hills, which is quite a cool art museum in that when you get your ticket, it's combined with the Sky Deck. Cool. And I got a 360-degree view of Tokyo, which was Ooh. really cool. And then I went up and saw the exhibition, which was about architecture. And it was pretty interesting. It was pretty informative. I'm just not super into architecture, but um, I'd really enjoy seeing more exhibitions about just, like, domestic life. There must be some sort of gallery space out there doing this. I'm freaking out just thinking about it. If I could see more exhibitions... With the insides of people's houses, just like everyday people, I would love the mm. shit out of that. Because in this architecture exhibition, they had share houses, which are quite common in Japan. Like you have your own little room, mm. but then the kitchen and the living room area, actually a lot like Terrace House, yeah. is quite common. There's a nice photography thing online. Families from different countries around the world photograph their weekly shop. Oh, that's really interesting. And the variation is amazing. Oh, I like that. What? Where do you find that? I will find it afterwards. Okay, can you please you put it in our show notes that no one reads? Put it in the show notes that no one reads. <laughs> I feel like that's like one of the biggest podcast jokes. I'll put it in the show notes and no one will ever pay attention to it. What's a show note? 
You know that bit of description that you read and think, that doesn't sound interesting. I won't listen to that episode of High Expectations. The bits below that, I put links to interesting things like the photography exhibition. The secret is every episode of High Expectations is good, so don't worry about the description. (laughs) If you were to shout out one episode you feel like our listeners should like go and listen to on the back catalogue that doesn't get enough love, what would it be? We like listening to trash because it's part two of We Like Watching Trash and it's got like 30 less plays. Oh, that's so annoying. Who are you incompletists out there? Complete the set. On a personal note, Sorry You Wonderful Alan is doing way better than Sorry You Wonderful Jasmine, which is fair because Alan is way better. No. Come on, give me some love. Yeah, screw you guys. Also, my uh, the Sorry You're Wonderful episodes are my favorite thing we've ever done. Me too. Any final thoughts about Japan? Oh, God, I have so many thoughts, but just go there, I think. Don't go there in 2020, though, because that's when the Olympics are on and it will be packed as fuck. It'll be a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're like, I don't know, I really want to see the Olympics. <laughs> I learned a lot about Japanese etiquette from YouTube videos and like other people's experiences. Pretty much anything you could ever find is on YouTube. And watch Terrace House on Netflix. Come on. It's so good. Jasmine's probably just saying that directly to me. If you watch um, the latest season of Terrace House, you'll see three completely nude men <gasps> get into a bath together in a non-sexual way. Do you see their, their penis? Um, they have their hands over their penises, but you see full butt. That's so special that, like, three men had a bath together. Yeah. Like, just think about, I don't know, like, three men that you know. Have they ever had a bath together? I think they'll make them closer. Yeah. Lame. But what awesome. a society. <laughs> Round of applause for Japan. We love Japan. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Konnichiwa, Megudes. Hi, this is Meg from the Indoors Women podcast. I'm here to say thank you so much for listening to High Expectations and to throw in some Japanese phrases to go along with Ellen's adventures. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. If you have any comments or questions, please send an email to highexpectationspodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on a post. Find Jaslyn and Ellen on Facebook and Instagram at High Expectations Podcast or on Twitter at High EX Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Have a great week. Bye. And we're back because Alan wanted to tell one more story, but we didn't have time. This is my favorite misunderstanding story. I couldn't find deodorant for the life of me in Japan that worked for me. I have very sensitive skin and every time I'd use deodorant it would just sting real bad and I don't know why I'm not a doctor. So I did throw out two different things of deodorant and I was like I gotta talk to a pharmacist about this shit because that's what I do at home if I am confused by general products. So I went into a pharmacy and then I went and talked up to a woman working there. She was wearing a lab coat so I assume it was she was the official. I said I'm so sorry I don't speak any Japanese but can you please help me find deodorant for sensitive skin? And like, they were like, what? 
So I don't know if her English was especially strong. So she went and found a colleague also wearing a lab coat. So also very legit, I'm sure. She's just saying something I don't understand, I think. And then they went and got a translator. And then they asked me to speak into it. And then it translated it. And they were like, you want antiperspirant? I was like, yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I want. It was really hot. I was real smelly. So I wanted deodorant. And my deodorant I brought from New Zealand had just run out as soon as I got there. And I was like, this isn't a big deal. Turned out it was a way bigger deal than I thought it was. Oh, that's a hot tip. Take deodorant with you. Because this is what happened to me. So then, yeah, they chatted about it. And then they were like, I don't know. And then they talked to another woman, not wearing a lab coat, but I'm sure she was still legit. And they took me over to a whole section of like antiperspirants and deodorants. And then I said like, this is like what I did ask for. Good on you. However, I need it for sensitive skin. And then they were like, oh, you have like, you know, skin problems. I was like, yes, I have skin problems. Got it. We've got there. And then they walked up to the other woman. They were like, hey, we need, I guess they said, this is all in Japanese. I don't really know what happened, but they were like, we need some sensitive skin deodorant. And then she walked off and then she came back with these wipes. And then they said like, these are for babies. (laughs) And I should have been skeptical when they said that because I was like, what? And (laughs) I was like, will it work as an antiperspirant? And they were like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I bought the things and there's this huge pack of all these wipes and I just should have like, I don't know, (laughs) maybe I should have used the Google translator that you gave me because then I went to stay with my friend who's been, Sean, who's been living in Japan for a long time and I said, what the fuck are these? Because I still smell. And he gave me, he sent me out with some deodorant because he's such a sweetheart and he just said like, Ellen, these are antiseptic wipes. (laughs) Days did you wear these? <laughs> Maybe like three or four. Oh and it didn't do anything. <laughs> you put your armpits are real clean. <laughs> I'm so glad I wasn't traveling with anyone I know because it was smelly. <laughs> but what can I do? I yeah, s- like you, you can't tried. use products on your skin that makes it sting. No. Like really sting. Like I was like crying. It was so painful. I'm not trying to shit on anyone. I just thought that was quite funny. <laughs> I know. I, you can know I just, it was definitely a loss in translation moment. I didn't understand why they gave me antiseptic wipes. I don't get it. <laughs> Final Japan question. Yeah. Did you get to have sex with Scarlett Johansson? No, and I'm extremely disappointed. Oh. <laughs> Yes, I keep saying, like, why does everyone keep comparing me to Bill Murray in Lost in Translation? Do I look like a 40-year-old man? No. And also, I didn't get to make out with Scarlett Johansson once. Right. I did make out with this Australian girl called Pepper. And then I said, I am Stody Tark. And then Sean was like, wait, what? And I texted my boyfriend, like, I made out with a girl called Pepper. I am now Iron Man. And then I said, oh, shit, did you read my text from last night? And he said, yes, I did, Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone.